Let's enjoy this ongoing message by Sam Adeyemi. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7 from the New International Version. Let's go. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. We'll title our discussion today, Achieving Excellence. Achieving Excellence. I love this testimony in our text about the church because Paul the Apostle was write, writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, you've excelled in everything. I like that. What a testimony about the whole church. You excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, earnestness even in love. You excel. So just add one more area of excellence in the grace of giving. Excellence, we have said, is the possession of good quality in an unusual degree. Good quality in an unusual degree. To excel, we have said, is to be the best at something. The opposite of excellence is mediocrity. The word mediocre means average, not very good, merely adequate, or something of ordinary quality. Mediocre means for something to be undistinguishable, or undistinguished, or commonplace. I used to assume that the opposite of excellence was bad, okay, or bad quality. No. Mediocre means average. So in the school of excellence, average is the bad, okay? <clears throat> something that is ordinary, something that is commonplace, something that is undistinguished, there's nothing special about it. That's mediocre. Mediocre, the English word mediocre is formed from different parts, made up of different parts from Latin, which when translated mean halfway up the mountain. Halfway up the mountain. So it's not giving best effort, not producing the best quality in any situation or circumstance. That's mediocre. Now, for us as Christians, I just want to draw attention to the fact that Israel, in the Old Testament in the Bible, is symbolic of the New Testament church. The deliverance from slavery in Egypt is symbolic of the salvation experience. Going into Canaan is symbolic of the best of the Christian experience on this planet. So, God moves Israel out of Egypt, and midway, Moses says something to the Israelites that gets my attention. The first time I read it, I mean, it had such a pronounced effect on me, a pronounced effect on me. Deuteronomy 23, verses 12 to 14. 
Deuteronomy 23, 12-14. Moses said, Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out, and you shall have an implement among your equipment, and when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. That was what got my attention. What? <laughs> There's something I can do that can make God to turn away? Yes. Moses says, you want to pass out waste? Go outside the camp. Remember, they had no mobile toilets. Okay? <laughs> they were moving through the desert. Go outside the camp, he said, and take an implement along with you. When you get there, dig the ground. When you pass out excrement, put it in there, cover it. That's even outside the camp. Then he comes back to the camp itself and says, the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be... The next choice of word is surprising. Because I expect that it should be, you shall keep the camp clean, right? It says you shall keep the camp holy. Cleanliness is holiness. He equates cleanliness with holiness. Keep the camp holy. He said, lest the Lord your God see the unclean thing and turn away. <laughs> the first time I read that, I said, what? I, where I come from, you can pray a powerful prayer on a garbage heap. Because it's like what God is interested in is the spiritual, not the physical. Leave that one. <laughs> but Moses is saying here, if you want to attract God, you have to create the right environment for him. He lives in a clean environment. He loves a clean environment. And he can be so disturbed by the unclean environment that he can take a stroll. Interesting. Why was Moses saying this? Israel needed to make a cultural shift in their thinking. Because they were coming from a place where they had been slaves. Slaves don't live in the most beautiful quarters in the city. Amen? Amen. They obviously were living in slums. They were living in the dirtiest place. Where they were living was the, of the poorest quality. And now, God brought them out of that. Remember, this generation that we're talking about that left Egypt was born into slavery. So that was what they had known all their lives. Of course, God singled Moses out so he could conceptualize Canaan. Now they're in the desert and Moses confronts them. You can't afford to make this camp to look like where you are coming from. It's time to raise the standard now. Okay? 
because it has everything to do with your relationship with God. And we need to say the same thing to any community that has experienced slavery or colonization. Because one of those things that we inherit is mediocrity. It's the poor standards. It's the poor quality. I've been to a few countries on a few continents, you know, that have a history of slavery or colonization or both. And it's amazing the consistency in terms of poor quality, the consistency in infrastructure, you know, and in the way people live. There is a shift that we need to make. Because if we don't, if we happen to enter Canaan, we will turn Canaan into Egypt. It won't matter where we go. As long as we carry that environment with us and lack of value for aesthetics and for beauty, okay, it will always show everywhere we go. I know that some Christians argue that aesthetics doesn't matter and they have scriptures to back up their claims. God, what God is interested in is the heart, not the appearance. So let's check that passage of scripture out. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. When God told Samuel to go anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. First Samuel 16 verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see that? So Samuel was carried away by the way the guy, Eliab, looked. Tall, handsome, square-shouldered, lanky, <laughs> like me. <laughs> Samuel was about to pour, God said, hold it. I've checked him out, I've rejected him. He doesn't cut it. You're missing it, Samuel. See, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Hmm, that's nice. This is what I have to say to that. If it was only God that you had to sell your products and services to, you would be fine. You don't need good packaging, doesn't need to look fine, just make sure it's functional, it will do the job it's going to do. Food is food, it doesn't matter yeah, not, there's no need for any exotic colors. Or, I, I, yesterday, I saw, you know, this picture on Twitter of Eba, you know, Gary, our local food here. Yellow, was made from yellow, you know, we have the white one, we have the yellow one. Yeah, it was a yellow one, really nice. So they made it and flattened it. You know, we always serve it, you know, in the bar. This one was flattened, and it was now rolled. <laughs> oh, and they put the soup next to it, and it was captioned, this Eba has a Cambridge degree. <laughs> I like it, I like it, I like it. Oh, looks so beautiful. 
See? The innovation that was brought into the presentation caught my eye and made it attractive to me. So I'm just simply saying that that verse is very valid, okay? Very valid. So if it is God that you are going to sell your product to, offer your services to, you are fine. Because he does not look on the outward appearance, he only looks at the heart. Sister, if it is God that will marry you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the appearance doesn't matter. <laughs> because that verse, it wasn't a human being that was speaking. It was God himself that spoke. He said, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. Let me repeat it. For man looks at the outward appearance. God speaking. I will repeat it. For man looks... <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Satan's temptation on Eve was effective because Satan combined both functionality and aesthetics. So I'm saying I do not think that what the scriptures suggest is that we should focus so much on the functionalities, so much on the inside that we leave the outside out. God wants us to achieve excellence both in terms of functionality and in terms of aesthetics. Amen? All right. Let me give us these few tips before I run. To achieve excellence, number one, value excellence. That's why I've been arguing my case from scriptures. Value excellence. Let excellence be important to you. Let good quality be important to you. If you ask me, I'll tell you, God wants us to achieve excellence in terms of functionality, excellence in terms of beauty, excellence in terms of what the product can do, excellence in terms of the packaging. Value excellence. And to value something means to attach importance to it, to prioritize it. One of the challenges, you know, with parts of the world that have a history of slavery and colonization is the fact that we think poverty is lack of money. We don't realize it's lack of values. We don't find the connection between our values and our money because most people define wealth only in terms of the material. Yet the greatest part of real wealth is intangible. So we don't value ideas, we don't value innovation, we don't value the human mind and what it can produce, we don't value thoughts, we don't value time, because these are intangible resources, but they are convertible resources. People don't value honesty, for example. But I tell people integrity is cash. If, let's assume, I lack, I lack money, I run out of money completely, I need money. I need, let's say, a million naira or two million naira or $10,000. All I need to do is pick my phone, call some people, or maybe even send a text message to some people. They'll transfer the money straight into my account. If I tell them, I'll give you in the next four weeks. They'll transfer the money straight because I've not lied to them before. I have credibility. 
I'll do what I said I'll do. I have the capacity to do it, okay? So I have loaned money without collateral. My collateral is my integrity. Young people need to learn that. <laughs> integrity is as good as cash. If you lie to people, deceive people, it, you will make it increasingly difficult for you to succeed because you will deceive most people only once and then shut the door on yourself. The opportunity will be lost. A young man, he used to be one of us here, and moved with his family out of this country to another country. And then he got a job here, so he came back. Very powerful job. But then somewhere along the line, the wife then called him and said, you know what, this arrangement is not working. I don't think it's going to work for me to raise these kids alone. I need you here. We need you here. So he prayed, thought about it, and put in his resignation. Why? When you have to make decisions, that's where your values come in. Your values shape your behavior. He prioritizes his family over money. Prioritizes his family even over his career. So he resigned. He asked his employers, can you give me a job where I'm going? They said no. So he searched, found a job, found a vacancy online, applied. He got the job. By the time they gave him his package, double the package that he's leaving. If I just left last week. Double. His employers changed their minds and said okay, that they would like to retain him and have him work for them in the country where he's going. He said, sorry, I got an offer already. They said, we'll match it. What did they offer you? When he said it, <laughs> they said, we're sorry. <laughs> they said, the person you'll be reporting to does not even end that amount of money. When I heard the story this last week, I said, wow, see the power in values. Values derive from the word value. If you don't have values, you really don't have value. This guy, because he values his family, prioritizes his family, sacrificed a job, God gave him double. That's the way it works. Remember what we said the first time, our first discussion on excellence, that excellence doesn't cost, it pays. Whatever it is you invest in achieving good quality, it will come back to you. So value excellence, prioritize it. Number two, believe that you deserve the best. Believe that you deserve the best. Treat yourself with respect. We call it self-respect. You check how people's self-image, who they think they are, by the way they treat themselves. You want to sell something of good quality to someone, the person says, ah, I cannot afford it. It's too expensive. No, that's not what you're saying, really. What you're saying is, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth that investment. If you can afford it, this message is not a suggestion that you should spend money you don't have. Excellence is just getting the best quality out of whatever resources you have per time and being committed to constant improvement. So treat yourself with respect. Believe that you deserve the best. Next, believe that people deserve the best. Believe that other people deserve the best. You were created in God's image. You are an extension of God. 
every human being is an extension of God. We said it earlier on. Whatever God does not deserve, man does not deserve it. Treat people well. See, you find one thing common to most countries that have experienced colonization and slavery, the leadership structure. You have a ruling class that uses political power to channel economic resources to benefit itself and the people close to that ruling class. And then you see the rest of the population in abject poverty. That structure is sustained because there is something that is in alignment between the thinking of people in the ruling class and the citizens. Those citizens, if they found themselves in the ruling class, they would do exactly the same thing. The people in the ruling class believe that it is their destiny to enjoy top quality, world-class quality, and they believe it is the destiny of the populace to live in abject poverty. That's why they don't spend the money on them. Now, the unfortunate dimension is that the very people themselves believe that they do not, they do not deserve the best. That's why they accept it. That's why they leave it that way. The day your eyes open, and you realize God didn't create anybody to be superior over anybody. We have equal value in God's eyes. You will never sustain that kind of leadership anymore. It's the reality. See, when we moved into this facility a number of years ago, some 10 years back, then we began to rent buses, air-conditioned buses, to move people from the car park, and that was mainly the school before, to this place. It's walking distance. So some people were asking, wow, why is the church doing this? The church is spoiling us. When I heard that, I said, that's fine. They're not used to it. They're not used to leaders spending the money on them and treating them with dignity. Then we came to the point where we installed central air conditioning into this place, which in the environment is something. Because what it cost us to install the central air conditioning was more than what it cost us to buy the whole premises just AC. So I explained to the church, it's not because we don't have other things we could do with the money. <laughs> Especially things to make life better for me. Because I have ideas of things I can do with money. Because <laughs> when you really think about it, it will be justified. Because, sincerely speaking, I'm the one God called. <laughs> uh, no. Check the equation. God called me. I called you. <laughs> Shouldn't I be able to spend most of the money? <laughs> so, <laughs> we decided to take that approach because we believe that you deserve the best. Two, we realize it's not going to be enough for us to teach leadership, we need to demonstrate it, given the kind of a culture we evolved from. Someday, somebody will come out from here, be a local government chairman, somebody will be a commissioner, somebody will be a governor, very likely even the president. People don't give what they don't have. So they need to experience it first. Then, if you come out from here, you get out there, you have the opportunity, you now treat people with indignity, I will walk with those that will remove you from office. Is that okay? So, believe that people 
deserve the best. Next, learn from the best. Find the people that are producing best quality around, learn from them. Next, benchmark against the best. Benchmark. So when you define your own standards, benchmark against the best. Don't compare yourself with people that are like you or people that are even doing worse. That's failure. Junior, why did you get 20th position out of 40 in the days when they used to do position in our schools? They don't do anymore these days, but in, some, in most schools. Some still do. 20th out of you know, 40, why didn't you get first position? <laughs> Junior says, uh-uh, didn't I try? <laughs> there are 20 people behind me, so. <laughs> If you keep comparing yourself to the people behind you, you signed in to mediocrity. Finally, put in your best effort. Whatever it is you do, put in your best effort. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Colossians 3, 3 and 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Our greatest distractions on this planet are human beings. Sometimes a pastor is a distraction to church members. They're busy focusing on the pastor, looking at what the pastor is doing right, not doing right. You miss God. Sometimes church members are the greatest distraction, even to the pastor. And usually, church members are the greatest distractions for other church members. So focus on what somebody did, what somebody didn't do, who greeted them, who didn't greet them, they miss God. When you focus on God, he's the one that gives meaning to the whole scenario. When Joseph focused on God, what his brothers did that was supposed to be betrayal made sense. So he told them, you sold me to be a slave, but actually it was God that sent me to preserve your lives. God will give meaning to everything going on in your life. So he says, when you serve people, don't serve based on their ethnicity or their religion or their social status or anything. Whatever you do, he said, do it heartily as to the Lord. Because from the Lord, you will get a reward. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. As we hear God's word and we make adjustments, because God looks at the heart. As we make adjustments, I prophesy open doors. Amen. A new season Amen. for you. A season of wisdom. Amen. Heaven will release ideas to you. Amen. Creative and innovative ideas Amen. like never before. Amen. I prophesy new visions, Amen. new dreams. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I prophesy doors of blessing that closed against you open back now. Amen. I prophesy a season of restoration. Amen. I prophesy a season of promotion. Amen. And I prophesy your access to good quality resources. You will meet people you never met before. Heaven will give you connections you never had before. And I prophesy your access to material and financial resources like you never had before.